Okay, but this morning, I want to conclude a word that I shared three or four weeks ago. Uh, and it's entitled that the Lord will raise a standard. This comes from uh, a famous scripture in the book of Isaiah, which we will look at um, shortly. Um, but by way of recap, let me just quickly go over um, some of the things that I shared, and then I will continue from where I left off. If those of you that were around when I shared, if you recall, I gave an analogy of a flood. I don't know whether you have seen on the news the floods in Pakistan. Um, if you've seen some of the footage, your, your, your heart will just wrench because the devastation of, the, of this flood is, is just something else. We know floods are not a respect to a person. Anything that is in its way, it will cause devastation. Whether they are young people, whether they are old people, whether people are, are, are pregnant, doesn't matter. The flood will cause devastation. And that's exactly what it is. Many people have been killed. Many people um, have no homes. Um, and there's a, a, a major uh, issue in terms of health, uh, etc. But the Bible says that the enemy comes in like a flood. And our enemy is Satan. You know, sometimes we seem to forget that when we face challenges and battles, that the people are not the issue. The circumstance that we face itself is not the issue. The battle or the, the issue itself is Satan. And the Bible says that he comes in like a flood. But the scripture, what we'll look at in Isaiah 59, says in response to that, that the, sorry, in response to that says that the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. I want to read this, the, the just parts of uh, Isaiah 59. The background to this is the prophet Isaiah was given a word to speak to God's people. But there were, there were issues taking place because God's people at that time were rebelling. Rather than them doing the things that God wanted them to do, they were doing their own thing. They were interested in their own agenda. They were looking at their own circles and things that pleased them rather than the things that please God. And God had an issue with that. Let me just read some verses of scripture. Isaiah 59 Verse 1, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But it said, But your iniquities have separated you from your God. In other words, God has no issue when it comes to answering prayer. That's nothing to God. But where God has an issue with answering your prayer is where you are disobeying things that God wants you to do. In this example, sin. Verse 4 said, no one calls for justice, nor does anyone plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. Again, this is talking about, in a sense, a spirit of apathy concerning the things of God. That God's own people really didn't really care concerning the things that God himself was concerned about. And it goes on. I think verse... Verse 16, it says, and he saw that there was no man, this is God himself, and wondered that there was no intercessor. God himself, even in that situation, was looking at his own creation. And he was seeing, looking at them thinking, but there's nobody praying. There's nobody speaking to me to intercede to me on behalf of what had taken place. 
But then he goes on, Isaiah 59, verse 19, as I said. Then it says, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. See, the Old Testament has a theme in one sense that involves obeying God's word, obeying God's instructions. And as you do so, you are in right standing with him when you listen to and obey the things that the Lord of God is telling us to do. And we see that when we obey God as he speaks to us, when we obey his word, the Lord releases various promises upon us. He will release his blessing. He will prosper us. He will favor us. He will protect us. He will deliver us. He will bring healing, peace. The list goes on. But see, the enemy himself doesn't need to come in like a flood if at times we're doing the enemy's work for him. There's no need for him to do that. And that comes through a sense of disobedience. But God speaks to us and encourages us to do certain things and we don't do it. But see, there is a way that makes us dangerous to the enemy. And this, the essence of this is by obeying the word of God. And also by performing acts that are involved in advancing God's kingdom. And we know some of these things. When we spend time in prayer, when we seek God's face, when we make a decision that we're going to skip a meal because we want to fast, we want our bodies to be to be. Uh, weakened in some sense so that our spirits are sharpened and in touch with the Lord. These are the things that the Lord looks at in order for us to draw closer to him. And by doing so, what it does is that it ministers to us internally. So it helps us in the area of humility and holiness and purity, etc. in our hearts. I spoke about understanding the, the spiritual nature of an attack I mentioned before. When the enemy attacks us, it is spiritual in nature, as I said before. It's not people. It's not an individual. Sometimes we spend time arguing with individuals about a situation rather than spending time in prayer, seeking God's face. And at the time, the energy that we expend in arguing, it leaves little energy to seek God himself. But God wants us to exert our energy in spending time seeking him. Any battle, any challenge that you're facing, you begin it in prayer. It begins in prayer. It ends in prayer. Because that is where the battle lies. 2 Corinthians 10, 10 verse 4 to 6, makes it clear. It says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into, into captivity to the obedience of Christ. If you are going to fight any spiritual battle, we need to use the weapon that God has given to us. And it's God's weapons, and it's not in our own strength. It can never be in your own strength. Well, it can be in your own strength, but you know that the outcome of that will not be anything that has any, any lasting. As the scripture said that it's not by power, nor by might, but it's by the Spirit of God. And God's Spirit 
is encouraging us to rely on him in every situation that we face so that any battle that we are facing, that his spirit will lead us, not our own intelligence or our own way of doing things, but the spirit of God. I mentioned that we know that we, there are different weapons that we have, and I'll look at, we'll look at the scripture in Ephesians very soon. But we know what the basic weapons that God has given to us is prayer. We know that fasting, which changes us, and the word of God, speaking and declaring God's word. And we put these things in place. But see, the key to this and the activation of these things that God has given to us in, in, in regards to prayer, fasting, speaking and declaring God's word. The key is the condition of our hearts. Now see, you can, you can do the right things in terms of what the scripture says. You can spend time fasting. You can read God's word and speak God's word over your life. But if your heart isn't in the right place with him, doing the thing that is correct in terms of fasting and praying, those things will be ineffective. Because the condition of the, of the heart will stop those things from having power. This is what God looks at. The Bible says that he looks at our hearts. I was speaking to some, I think we had a prayer, yeah, we had a prayer meeting on Friday. And I mentioned that the condition of your heart is, is of, of such a high value to God. Because it will determine whether God is going to approve what you are doing or not. I could stand here and I could be sharing and giving this word. And it may be ministering to you. But if my life and what I'm doing, and in my heart there are things, but I'm sharing in this way, by God's grace you will be blessed, but I'll be messing myself up because it's my heart that God looks at. And it's important, we, as we did not long ago, we share communion. When we take communion, it's encouraging us to examine, look at ourselves. Anything, any issue that is there, we bring it before him. Because it's a holy sacrament. The Bible said that sometimes people have taken it in the Old Testament and even of, of, of late. And they've taken it where things on their heart have not been correct. And they have died. And this is something that is obviously extremely serious. Because God looks at our hearts. So as I mentioned before, I mentioned the weapons that God has given to us. Ephesians 6. Cut of time, I won't go into all the weapons, but we know the weapons are my warfare. So finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power with might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. And I emphasize about the word standing. God wants us to stand when it comes to facing any situation. When you stand, it's a, it's a position of, of, of battle. It's an intention that when you are standing, that you're in a position of authority. If someone came to you and began to smack you or be violent towards you and you're sitting down, one of the first things you do apart from defending yourself is that you'll stand up because you are in a position, as I said, of authority, a position where you are uh, uh, almost uh, um, giving a, a sense of, uh, of, uh, of battle in that situation. That's what standing does. And that's why in this scripture, when it's talking about the, the weapons, um, the armor of God, it talks about being able to stand against the works of the enemy. It mentions the different weapons. It 
talks about the putting on your uh, the waist, your the truth, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of peace. Above all, it says the shield of faith. And one of the reasons why it says above all is because faith is key. We cannot even have any relationship with God without faith. You can speak about God to the cows come home. But if you don't have faith, then there's no relationship. That is the center. And that's why I said above all, the shield of faith. And then the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Then it mentions praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. The Holy Spirit has to lead us again. In every situation that we are facing, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will lead us. The Holy Spirit will guide, guide us and direct us in all that we are doing. You know, one of the things I'm, I'm learning more and more to do is to trust less in myself. And it's so easy to do the opposite. When you have an idea about something, just like an automatic idea. Maybe you're, you're doing something. And that idea seems good. And you action it. You go ahead and you do it. I don't know if any of you have done this before. And then as you are actioning this thing and, it, and it's going well, then at one point you remember, I, actually, I didn't even bring it before the Lord. And then at that point, you bring it before him. But because you've already done the majority of the action, when you bring it before him, you, you haven't done it in a way whereby you even asked him, Lord, are you approving of this thing? But you're almost doing it in a way whereby, yeah, Lord, now you're on board. So let me just continue. This is what we do. And this, at times, is the very essence of trusting in ourselves rather than trusting in God. And this is one of our biggest battles. It's us. Every time, at times, I look in the mirror, I look at myself and I'm like, mm, you, you're, you're the issue. Because it's ourselves. We, at times, are the ones who allow the enemy to do the things that the enemy has no authority to do. But we give him the authority because of either what we have done, what we have said, and acts that we have done, what we know that is not right. So we cannot win any battle with any human reasoning or methods. But as I said, it's the Spirit of God that will lead us. And the Lord will cause us to win every battle that we face. Amen? So let the Holy Spirit lift us and guide us. So what does it mean? I mentioned about raising up a standard. The Lord will raise up a standard. This scripture in Isaiah 59, 19. I mentioned that the standard was a, an English word that was used with regards to raising of a flag. And in, in the olden times, when a flag was raised, especially in war, it made reference not, as you may be thinking, where you would, it would be surrender. It doesn't mean that. What it means is that it's almost like a rally call for the army to come and to work with uh, the army or the rest of the team in that situation. But in the realm of the spirit, when you raise up a standard, it's a rally call for the angels of God to come around and to fight the battle on your behalf. So when the scriptures say that he will raise up a standard, any battle that you face, and your heart is right before God, and you bring it before him, and you say, Lord, raise up the standard against this battle that I'm facing, automatically, hosts of angels will come around. Remember, there's where did we go? There was somewhere where we went to. 
have to remember where it was. But somebody, as we were at this meeting, somebody had a very clear vision that as we were at this meeting, that there were hosts of angels around. And we were just there. We were, I can't remember what we were doing. I think it was, we were just evangelizing or so. But as we were evangelizing, they said that angels, they saw angels standing guarding around us as we were just talking and ministering. I see why. Because even as you share the gospel with one person, every word that you're saying to that person about maybe why, maybe you're sharing about why you became saved. Every word that you're sharing to that person, the enemy is also whispering another 10 words in that person's ears. Telling them why you shouldn't even listen to you as you share your, share your testimony. Why you shouldn't waste your time becoming a Christian. Why instead you should focus on doing any other thing. And it's interesting, when it comes to anything to do with God, just think about all the distractions that we receive. You can be busy every day of the week. Now, when it comes to Sunday, that's when everything comes on board to stop you maybe from coming to church. Maybe there's a prayer meeting or there's a meeting that the church have put together. Either, uh, if, if you're single, there's a singles meeting. If you're married, there's a married meeting. Something that relates to you, there's a cell group meeting. You'll find that on the day of that meeting, something has come up. Maybe your program is on at the same time as the meeting. Something that you want to watch. So then you decide, yeah, let me just watch my, my, my thing. This is how the enemy works. Because he knows that once he can stop you from doing what God wants you to do, he's got you. He has you. That's how he operates. You know, you remember the, the, the story in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were there. They were given very clear instructions from the Lord. The Lord told them, enjoy the entire garden. Everything that's there is yours. But this tree, don't touch it. They had everything in the garden. You can imagine how many other trees were in that garden. But God told them, just that one tree, don't touch it. But everything else, enjoy. As soon as the instruction was given, the enemy came and his plan was, I'm going to get you not to focus on everything else, but you will focus on this one tree that God says that you could not have. And that's how the enemy works. He will get you in your mind to focus on the things that are of least importance to the enemy, but of extreme importance to God. Your heart is of extreme importance to God. So we need, every one of us needs to prioritize. If there's anything there that has any issue, Lord, please, I'll give it to you. Because what he will do, he will cause you to focus on so many other things. I need to do this. I need to spend time on that. And as you do those things, the very thing that he wants to focus on, you're not giving him any power to do so. So the part I got to when I finished off is never give up on your battle. It is so easy when you're going through a situation to think, you know what? 
this is a bit too much. Now, I remember speaking to somebody who, during the coronavirus, at the height of it, they were really unwell to the point where when I spoke to them, at one point they were saying, you know what, I don't know if I can hold on. Because they were struggling to breathe, they were struggling, it, it was having a, a mental impact on them. But we thank God that they held on and they're now fully recovered. The testimony is that this person was close to giving up, but they never gave up. See, when the battle gets hot, when the pressure increases, the temptation to give up is, is strong. But the Bible says that God will never leave nor forsake you. It says that even in your weakness, that his strength is made perfect. So in every battle, God will give us strength. It's also important for us to recognize how the enemy works. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. Now, if you watch wildlife, one of the things that lions do, contrary to what people think, is that when they attack, they look for the weak spots of someone. They don't always necessarily go for the bigger animals. But a lot of time, they, they're looking and they're seeing to see maybe if an animal's injured. Or if there's a, a younger, you know, wildebeest or some of the animals, but one of the younger ones that are slower when they run. And that's their target. And it's the same with us. If there are weaknesses that we have, that's where the enemy will focus. You know, if you have a tendency to just get angry quickly, the enemy will focus on that. So in any situation, he will cause that anger to just come up. You're just randomly talking to somebody and then the anger just arises from somewhere. And it becomes more of, or sometimes it becomes like it's a theme. Because the enemy has seen your weakness and now he wants to capitalize on it. Or it could be that you, you know, there's an issue when it comes to maybe uh, unforgiveness. You speak to somebody, somebody says something, and anything somebody says, automatically, you hold on to it. You don't want to let it go. You know, I was, I was speaking with my family recently, and there was an issue that came up where there was some, some things were said uh, that one member of the family kind of felt was true and it wasn't true. But as a result of all this now, there's this issue that hasn't been addressed in my family. And because with one, there's a tendency to hold on to things, it's now blown into something. Something that insignificant has blown up into something. And again, this is how the enemy works. He will focus on your weakness. But I encourage you, Number one, acknowledge your weakness. The thing is, everybody, every one of us has areas that are areas that we need to work on. But very seldom do we spend time 
and speak to God about those areas and say, Lord, I know I have an issue with this. So right now, Lord, I'm giving it to you and I'm asking you, Lord, help me with this particular issue so that if it comes up in any situation, you know, I know that you will, you will, give me, you will help me to go through. It is very rare that we pray those kind of prayers. And I want to encourage you to do so. Because as I said, the enemy will capitalize on your weakness. So give those weaknesses to God and ask him, Lord, help me in these areas. And give me the wisdom to be able to manage them by the power of your Holy Spirit. The next part is understand that any battle at times may cost you something. People that have been involved in war. Of the time we did evangelism in, um, in the town center around here. And um, I was speaking to somebody who was in a wheelchair. Both of his legs um, had been, were lost. And as I spoke to him, he was explaining to me what happened. That he said he was in, I can't remember what, which country it was, um, but there was a war in that country. And he stepped on a landmine and his legs were blown off. And he said in that same, the same day, his friend did the same and, and died. The whole, you know, stepped, stepped on a landmine and, and, and they died. And he's mentioned to me that we're just saying that, you know, even though his legs are gone, he still functions. He still operates. He's still able to do what he needs to do. He doesn't feel sorry for himself. He's able to function and do what he, need, what he needs to do. And it was really encouraging just hearing him say that. But at the same time, he's saying that every time, at the time, from time to time, when he's just functioning and doing what he's doing, and he looks down at his legs, he, rec he remembers exactly what happened. So it's a real constant reminder of what happened when uh, the situation took place when he stepped on the landmine and he lost his legs. Warfare at times will mean that you will lose something. This guy lost his legs in war. And sometimes when we are engaged in spiritual warfare, there may be a loss, but it may not necessarily be uh, uh, something that's bad. The Apostle Paul if you read um, through Corinthians, it's a good example of this. He was stoned, he was imprisoned, he was beaten, he was left for dead, etc. And all of these things at times, they, they cost him. But he learned a lesson. And let me read 2 Corinthians, reading from verse chapter 12, from 7 to 10. It says, unless, this is Paul speaking, it says, unless I should be exalted above measure, by the abundance of revelations. It says, a fawn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I, ex I, I be exalted above measure. Now see, we don't know what this fawn in the flesh was, but the scriptures say that the Lord allowed a particular issue to exist in his life, not for the sake of it, but the scripture says that lest Paul himself was to exalt himself 
and to make himself think that he was the, you know, the one that was in control of everything, that all glory went to him. Rather, the Bible said that the Lord allowed this thorn in his flesh so that in his mind he knew that anything that happened, all the glory went to the Lord, not to himself. Verse 9 says, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. There's that word weakness again. When you recognize that you have a weakness, you bring yourself into, into a position in Isaiah I think it was 57, verse 15. Scripture talks about that the sacrifices of God are of a broken and a contrite heart. God is drawn to his children when they are broken before him, when their heart is contrite. The Bible says that God dwells in a high and lofty place. We know that. He's a spirit being and he dwells in a high and lofty place. But he doesn't distance himself from us by being a high and lofty place. The Bible also says that, but he is drawn to those who have a broken and a contrite spirit. God wants us to humble ourselves before him. As I said before, every one of us has weaknesses. We have things that we need to work on, just as the, the apostle Paul is speaking about here. But yet he recognized, he says that my strength is made what perfect in weakness. That is a spirit of humility. Rather than complaining about the weakness, Paul is saying that the strength that I have from God is actually perfected in a state of weakness. Then he goes to say, therefore, most guys said, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10 said, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. Not for the sake of it, but for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Church, I want to encourage you. The scripture has just said, for when I am weak, I am strong. As I've been speaking, I pray that the Lord has been speaking to you about areas of weakness. But see, there's nothing to worry about there because the Bible is saying that even in your weakness, that God is strong for you. It's not by your own power, whatever you're facing. Put to, to one side your mind's way, your human way, of addressing whatever situation that you're in. But give it to the Lord. Because in your weakness, the Bible says, his strength is made perfect. Listen, I'm recognizing my weakness. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. Because that is where the strength of God comes in. And I feel that God wants to pour his strength upon us, every one of us. But we need to recognize our weakness and just surrender it to him. So right now, my time is, is coming to a close. 
just bow your heads right now. And I want you to just bring yourselves before the Lord. You know yourself. But see, God knows you more than you know yourself. So right now, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you concerning any areas of weakness that you have. Just as Paul spoke. And as you recognize and identify any weakness, remember the scripture. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. For when I am weak, I am strong. Father, as your children are speaking with you right now, Lord, I pray that every area of weakness that your Holy Spirit has highlighted, we surrender it to you. We give each of our weaknesses to you. Psalmist said, create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Cast us not away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore unto us the joy of our salvation and renew a steadfast spirit within us. Lord, I speak this over your people. That you will renew a steadfast spirit within us. That where we are weak, then we are strong. That it's not by our own power, nor by our own might, but it is only by your Holy Spirit. So Lord, as we surrender all to you, I speak the spirit of divine strength upon each one. That you will minister strength in the midst of weakness. That where the enemy is coming like a flood on the lives of your children. Father, raise up your standard. Send your ministering angels to fight and to win on our behalf. To your glory and to the enemy's shame. So, Father, I pray and I pronounce a, a release of your favor and of your blessing and of your peace upon your children. That each one will walk in victory and that your name shall be glorified. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.